Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Friday, January 22nd. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here to go over a really great 11-game NBA DFS slate for this Friday evening. Uh, we started out with 13 games. A couple of COVID games were canceled, but we still have a big full slate with a ton of options uh, on our 11-game uh, NBA ticket tonight. Now, a um, couple of things. What I'm going to do is go through each individual game as we normally do. Um, hello, Andrew, by the way. He's usually on with me today. He is enjoying some family time. So I hope you're uh, having a, a great time there. Um, we will go through each game. I'll go over the injuries when we get to each game. We'll talk about basically the line, how it affects play here as far as the spread and the over-under. Talk about teams that are on back-to-backs, either first or second game. And then we're going to go over defensive efficiency and pace, uh, see if we can uh, really build, start building some ideas of some cornerstones and some value plays uh, and maybe a few contrarian plays that we can put into some of our lineups. So uh, yesterday we went over usage uh, per teams. We're going to do that uh, every, every, uh, every so often as well. And tomorrow we're going to go into defensive real plus minus. Uh, the DR uh, PM uh, is a fantastic stat. It really looks at uh, statistically how different teams guard certain positions. So we'll go over that on tomorrow's slate and uh, just keep the information coming in. As always, you can, you know, let me know what you think about the show, the content, uh, any suggestions, stuff you like or dislike, and uh, we always take that into account. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at Joe Sarvati, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I. If you want to reach Andrew, it's lang at Language Olympic. And uh, Shane is at DET Sports Shane. Um, and on YouTube, DFS Coach Talk, uh, certainly welcome uh, to post any type of comments you'd like uh, in there and we'll respond to it. And the last thing, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, uh, please take a second. I think I pointed the wrong direction last time, but whatever of the four corners they're in, uh, please hit the thumbs up. Subscribe to our channel. That's extremely important to us. And hit the little alarm alert button so every time we have a new podcast post, you'll get an alert saying DFS Coach Talk just posted a podcast so you can check it out in plenty of time. So thank you very much for letting me get a lot of that stuff out of the way. All right, so now what we're going to do is we are going to go right through this slate. And I know it's 11 games. I don't want it to be a super long show. I know it gets a little tedious when it's super long. So I'm going to try to keep on motoring as much as I can uh, through this entire group. Okay, first game on the slate, it is the Chicago Bulls at the Charlotte Hornets. The Bulls are 6-8. and eight. The Hornets are also 6-8. and eight. We have Chicago on the first night of a back-to-back, -back, uh, which, which will be interesting. Uh, we also have Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, sort of teetering between uh, questionable and doubtful. So there's a, a good chance he doesn't play, but we need to keep an eye on that news. Also, uh, Patrick Williams has a bit of an injury. We also need to keep an eye on that. 
Uh, Charlotte is a three and a half point favorite in this game, and the line is 227, which just happens to be the fourth highest number on the entire board. Not bad. Defensive efficiency wise, Chicago's 27th, so they have not defended well fairly consistently all year. The Hornets, on the other hand, with that surprising start, uh, come down to earth a little bit, but they are ninth in the league in defensive efficiency. Uh, the one thing that uh, always makes Chicago players in play, not only the bad defense which drives up score and possessions, but they're second in the league in pace, uh, hence the 227 total. So something to keep an eye on there and bring some of these guys into play. Charlotte is 19th. All right, a couple of things here. Value play possibility. Uh, Daniel Gafford, when he gets in there and plays 17 to 20, 21 minutes, uh, generally does that with Wendell Carter in the lineup and Patrick Williams. Uh, I think he gets much more than that here. Good 25 to 28 minutes possibly uh, if uh, for sure Wendell Carter Jr. is listed out. And he is extremely dirt cheap. So there's a, a possible buy down center that can really make a lot of things happen in the lineup, but we need to see that news. It would be great. It's, it's a necessity for, for Carter to be out. It'd be even better if Williams joined him, uh, but Gafford's active. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to get blocks. It's a matter of the minutes, the opportunity. And if he's, like I say, if he's plugged in for 25 to 30, if they're shorthanded at the big, um, I am very interested uh, in him today. On the uh, Also, Zach Levine, you can't deny he's been just absolutely on fire. Um, I really uh, think he's he's been playable, but his price has now come up quite a bit. Uh, and they got they have Sadoransky back today and Archie Diakonos playing. So all of a sudden, a backcourt that was Kobe and Zach Levine, basically all you could play, and there were nights they were both smashing, has become a little crowded. And Kobe, I think, is feeling the biggest sting of that as he's had a few bad games. He had one game with zero points. I don't know if he's, uh, you know, feeling the heat of those guys trying to take minutes or what the situation is. But, you know, I, I wouldn't blame anybody for playing Zach Levine, but I'm not going to mess around with the Chicago backcourt today. On the other side of the ball, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, interesting, you know, we've got this, this crazy three-man guard rotation of Graham, Rogier, and Ball. And, you know, Ball has been the most productive. Uh, Rogier has had games where he's nailed a bunch of threes. And Devontae Graham, you know, he's made value a few times. So none of them are bad plays. But the fact that the case is that none of them are bad plays uh, makes them questionable for me. You know, I, I err on the side of when guys are splitting minutes at a position uh, it just creates a problem for me. I don't want to lose even that three to five minutes that you lose uh, in a rotation when somebody's hot or maybe somebody else finishes the game. It just, you know, removing that possibility of those extra 10 or 15 DFS points uh, can make all the difference in the world. Uh, Gordon Hayward has been terrific this year. Uh, he is dinged up a little bit. He's back now. They say he's fine. I like the matchup for him a lot. Um, his price is a little high, but Gordon Hayward is certainly in play for me. He is going to be in my player pool. I think this is the kind of game with a, a massive pace up, with Chicago being second 
in the league that uh, that that really gives him the opportunity to do some scoring. We also the big news on Charlotte's side is Cody Zeller is possibly back tonight. He's a game time decision, questionable, coming uh, off a bad uh, wrist injury. So you know, not really. Uh, it's non sequential to me because I'm not going to play Biombo anyway. P.J. Washington would be the one for me that would take the hit if Cody Zeller comes back because the Hornets have had success going small ball and playing P.J. at center with Cody and Bismack uh, splitting minutes at center. I think that squeezes those extra points from P.J. So really uh, the only guys I'm looking for uh, at in this game are Gafford as a possible value play if the other guy is out and uh, Gordon Hayward, if you can fit him in salary-wise. Okay, game two. We've got the Houston Rockets at the Detroit Pistons. Houston is 4-9. Detroit is a pretty bad 3-11, possibly one of the worst two or three teams in the league without question. Both teams are on the first night of a back-to-back, which could have some effect. Um, Detroit, somehow, some way, is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I don't believe I've seen them favorite all season. Um, that's the early line. The over-under is a paltry 217, which is last. Uh, defensive team efficiency, Houston's 13th, Detroit 25th. And then we have pace of play, Houston's 6th, which is pace up for Detroit, and Detroit 24th. Not loving this game uh, whatsoever. I get it with wall out and uh, wood out, uh, it creates some possible uh, rostering here. I think DeMarcus Cousins is going to be over-owned, though. I think people are going to react to Wood being out and think Cousins is just going to play a boatload of minutes. I'm not completely sure with that. He hasn't done that this season. I know it's because Wood's been playing great, but He's been uh, dinged up a little bit. He's he's played in spurts. I just don't know if I trust him, uh, especially when we look at the ownership uh, numbers and see that he's going to be just overwhelmingly owned. And I don't think it's really justifiable quite at this point. But he is cheaper, and you know I understand if people are looking at him. Um, Victor Oladipo played the point. You know Wall's still out. And, uh, you know, had a really good game um, uh, two games ago, a little regression, uh, the, the second game, which we expected. But this game's against Detroit, and it's, you know, you got to expect Oladipo's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, and I think he's a fine play. I think his price is still fair enough. And his running mate, uh, Eric Gordon, these are also the type of games that he shines in. When he gets big minutes and big opportunity, he can produce literally 40-plus uh, DFS points. So I have no problem with looking at Oladipo and Gordon, one or, one or both of them. I think they're both in play, and it doesn't break the bank. Um, on the Detroit side, it's hard to figure. You know, I mean, Jeremy Grant has been the consistent model of excellence for that team. He's just doing everything and everything well. Um, but his price is through the roof. So not, you know, crazy about that price, but, you know, I think he will have a good game. Uh, the other player is just too volatile for me. I don't trust Delon Wright, Wayne Ellington, 
and the other guards that are rotating in. Blake Griffin has been okay, but, you know, his price is pretty cheap. But, you know, we're not sure. You're not sure game to game how, you know, efficient he's going to be. I don't think he's the worst play, uh, but uh, he's just physically not the same person that he was. And I think it limits his ceiling for sure. Um, Mason Plumley, he's been consistent at center. There's just way too many good centers on here. I know his price is decent. Um, and, you know, he has, I guess, a good matchup. But, you know, he's, his usage is low. He doesn't get the ball. They don't run plays for him. It's basically a matter of his hustle, rebounding, and, and putbacks and things like that. So not going to go there either. <clears throat> all right, we're going to keep motoring. I am by all means trying to stay on target today. All right, Orlando at Indiana. Indiana, four-and-a-half point favorite, 217-and-a-half over under the second lowest. We have two decent defensive teams, Orlando 17 and Indiana 14. Pace of play is not great at all. Orlando 21st, Indiana 15th. So not a game you say, wow, this, this is going to be a high-scoring shootout. But there are some guys to consider here. Let's look at the Orlando side first. You have Cole Anthony that's playing the majority of time at point. Um, Bone is the backup there, so uh, he gets the play. His price is still decent but it's crept up enough that doesn't make me really want to uh, roster him right away. Plus, Evan Fournier's back, and, you know, he never saw a shot he didn't like. I don't think he's going to get enough minutes to pay value, even though he's cheap. Uh, and he can knock down some threes, but would he really back is just suck some of the life out of, you know, wanting to play Anthony or Gordon or Vuk because he's going to take a decent amount of shots. Um, that also changes if Michael Carter-Williams is back. He's questionable, and if he's good enough to play, he'll get his 20 minutes or whatever in that rotation, and that will really uh, shoot Anthony and Fournier in the foot as well. Um, Vuk's been phenomenal, um, you know, but we do need news on this game. Miles Turner is questionable. If he plays, it's definitely a tougher matchup for Vuk. Uh, Turner leads the league in blocks by a long ways, and he gets steals. And the, the double bigs with Turner and Sabonis in there, I think, would match up really well with Gordon and Vukovic. And so I'm, I'm you know, not going that direction. Now, if Turner's ruled out and Indiana has to go smaller and, and play Sabonis at center, I think it changes the dynamic. I think that at that point, uh, you can look at either Gordon or Vukovic, not both, but I think one of the two becomes in play because you're going to have some mismatches uh, inside in the paint. Um, Malcolm Brogdon is terrific. I'd love to roster him here. His price is super high, though, now, and that is a concern. I don't want to pay up that high for a guy in a, a game like this with decent defense and... Uh, a very slow pace. So that's pretty much it. Um, you know, again, we need the Turner news and that may affect playing one of the Orlando bigs for me. I love Sabonis. He's probably my favorite DFS player in the league. Uh, not thrilled with this matchup though for the cost that he is. He's up there with the big, big boy. So I'm going to pass there today. All right. 
we are going at a good pace here. So I am going to try to continue that without any slowing down whatsoever. Brooklyn and Cleveland. Brooklyn Nets, 9-7. and seven. Cleveland, 7-7. Seven and seven. I think 7-7 seven and seven for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the fact they almost beat Brooklyn in that overtime game, they beat 8-6. and six. Uh, You know, Bickerstaff gets my vote for Coach of the Year so far. Amazing what he's done with that group of, you know, and I'll tell you, it's going to get more confusing there because uh, Andre Drummond played fantastic in the first half, didn't get much time in the second half. It was the Josh Allen show, the newly acquired Josh Allen. So they get to play Brooklyn again right away. That's his old team. So, you know, for me in this situation, it, it creates some confusion. And I, I'm wondering if it's going to cause some issues in the Cleveland locker room because, I don't know if they're planning on trading Drummond. That would make the most sense at this point or what's going to go on. But, you know, you just wonder what's going to happen in that situation. Um, Indiana is, or I'm sorry, not Indiana, but Brooklyn is a seven and a half point favorite on the road. And Kevin Durant probably will not play. He's listed at questionable. He's played an enormous amount of minutes uh, for this team uh, already. And they're on the first night of a back-to-back. They have it listed right now as basically load management for his injury of coming back from the torn Achilles. So this, I can't imagine that he suits up. I don't think, I think they'd be crazy to risk that at this point. They still have Kyrie and uh, Harden with the rest of that team. I think they can go there and beat Cleveland, even though Cleveland gave him a great game. Last go around, <clears throat> my prediction is KD sits and Brooklyn rolls. So, um, you know, part of that makes me not want to go this direction uh, in this game. But here's the thing. It's 225. 225 just happens to be the uh, second highest over-under on the board. Uh, 227 in that Chicago-Charlotte game uh, is the highest. But uh, the 225 number is really... Uh, a decent number. We know their game just completely blew up last time around, but that was double overtime. Um, defensive efficiency, you have Brooklyn 21st, Cleveland 3rd, but I, you know, I think that's going to come down to earth a little. But here's the problem. This is what makes me not want to just dive on this game. Pace of play for Brooklyn 20th, which, you know, is it going to go up? Not when Harden has the ball because he's going to slow down. He slows down offenses. But if Irving has the ball, I'm, I think they'll run more. So, you know, it's yet to be seen. We just don't have enough sample size. We have one game with the three superstars uh, on the floor, and they all did great. So we need to see how that develops. Cleveland, on the other hand, is 28th. So you're talking the third slowest team in the league. That's certainly going to take some possessions away um, from Brooklyn. <clears throat> so... If you're going to roster someone and you want to spend up, I don't think it's, I think you'll see a ton of ownership that goes to Harden and you'll have, you'll see a decent amount of ownership that goes to Irving. I think either one of those guys is going to get a lot of play for several reasons. Uh, Without Durant there, all of that usage, which his thumbprint, handprints, whatever you want to call them, are all over every game. He's either rebounding, assisting, scoring, putbacks. I mean, uh, 
uh, he's just phenomenal. And so with him out of there, uh, I don't think it opens up as much for the bench guys, you know, like the uh, uh, Jeff Greens or, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordans, all the other guys that are going to get rotational minutes, TLC, you know, all of those guys, uh, Joe Harris. But I think a lot of that usage is going to go right back to the two other studs, Irving and Harden. So I, I think it makes them both playable. Harden's more expensive. Uh, I'm leaning towards Kyrie Irving here. It's the first night of a back-to-back. -back. If Kyrie goes hard in this game and gets big minutes, I, I, have, I haven't read this. This is just my own sneaky, sneaking suspicion is that maybe he sits tomorrow or at least plays limited minutes when Durant comes back. That's just a gut feeling. So if that does happen, and I'll keep my eyes on the news to see if anything is stated, then, uh, you know, Kyrie goes hard today, and uh, it should be awesome. Plus, he gets to go against uh, the atrocious Cleveland backcourt defense, which has obviously gotten a ton better this year. Now, the reason why it got a ton better this year was because the historically poor Cleveland backcourt from last year, which is was the worst-ranked defensive efficient backcourt, efficient backcourt in the history of the NBA, had a rotation of Sexton, Garland, and Porter Jr. Well, we know Porter Jr. went berserk through all kinds of stuff and got traded. He's now with the Rockets, so he's gone. Garland is uh, questionable, but he hasn't played in a long time. I'm not expecting him to suit up. So the reason that their defense has improved a little, Sexton's missed a ton. Last game he played against Brooklyn, he was completely unconscious, broke the slate. Uh, I don't expect <laughs> that to come back. I mean, anybody that thinks that, that there's not going to be some serious regression there uh, is not really dealing with reality. So I think Sexton backs up. He's too expensive for me. His poor defense is on the floor, which I think uh, elevates Irving. And, you know, after that, there's a few guys that you can consider. Uh, Nance has been getting a uh, consistent run and been uh, solid. And uh, Jetty Osmond has been uh, consistent and solid, and their prices are good. I wouldn't, I'm not touching the Drummond Allen thing. And uh, really, after the Irving play, I don't think you need to go down and try to grab a secondary guy from Brooklyn just because Duran is out. Uh, I don't think you need the Jeff Greens, Jordans, or Harris's, like I said today. Stick with Kyrie or Harden. Uh, I don't think it's necessary to play both because I think there is potential that this game blows out with Brooklyn winning. Um, I, I think that last game was phenomenal effort by Cleveland, but I just don't see them coming back to back with that. All right, quick drink. We go on to game five. It is the Boston Celtics at 8-5 and five and the Philadelphia 76ers at 10-5. Interesting game here. Brooke, uh, Boston, I'm sorry, is, on, uh, is not on a back-to-back, -back, so that's an advantageous position for them. Philly is on the first night of a back-to-back, -back, so very interesting. Philly's a 4.5-point home favorite. The over-under is 222.5, which is fair. Defensive efficiency, Philadelphia's 18th. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, and Bo Boston, no, Philly, I think, is fourth. 
and Boston is 18th, uh, if I'm right, or maybe I have that flipped. But they're fourth and 18th, anyway, which makes them combined a better defensive uh, team uh, team efficiency here. And pace, Boston's 20th, Philly is fourth. So very interesting. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in this because there's some people coming back from COVID, rotating. It's changing a lot of usage. Uh, makes this game hard to really figure. Kemba Walker has been on a minutes restriction. That continues to increase. Um, Jalen Brown, you know, has been the recipient of a lot of the usage uh, with, uh, of course, Tatum being out. But everything else has been sort of a mishmash. Uh, Smart, you know, Williams, Ojale, Thompson, uh, you know, uh, all, of the, all of the guys are rotating, getting minutes, sharing minutes, sort of, that's, I mean, that's the way he coaches. He likes to use a deep bench. Uh, and what it does, though, is it takes a lot of these guys uh, and makes them somewhat unplayable on the DFS side. Now, if Kemba has extended minutes, that's great, but he gets Ben Simmons defense or Danny Green or, or some real premier defenders. I think, you know, Jalen Brown has to stay in consideration. You know, he has, to, it's one of those scenarios where we said at the beginning, if Brown sits or Tatum sits, you have to seriously consider the other guy because those two guys dominate, uh, really dominate usage for their team. Now, since Walker's come back, he is scooping a little bit of, of that away from the guy. So it doesn't make Brown a dead cinch lock but he'd be the first person that I would look at uh, on the Boston side. I don't want that conglomeration of Tice, Thompson, Williams, Ogilvy, all those people. I'm not going to go there. On the Philly side, we, uh, you know, the interesting news here is um, Joel Embiid. Is he in? Is he out? Uh, let's see real quickly. I'm going to do a live check-in here because it has everything to do uh, with this game, how the, the pace is, the defense, um, he makes such an enormous difference from that standpoint defensively that he, he shifts in the entire game. Um, let me glance down here for any late news because I'm doing this in the morning. I want to make sure we have the latest news for you because uh, I have one site saying he's not playing and another site saying that he is. So I do not see any recent news. So what I'm going to do is we need to follow this. I mean, obviously, you know, the big difference this year for DFS for all of us is COVID has changed everything. I mean, it's changed everything in our lives, but it has changed DFS enormously because, I mean, everything that we've done in the past, the norms that we've followed, you know, the way we're looking at the statistics, all of the stuff that has come into play, it's been, you know, very easy to do because it's year over year over year of the same stuff, 82 games, playing 41 of those at home, 41 on the road in front of big crowds. The crowds make a difference. Having your full roster most of the time with one or two guys out and, you know, but now it's a different world. You've got about, you know, 10, 15% of the games canceled every day. You've got a huge amount of players that have been on these protocols that are, 
you know, changing lineups. They can barely get eight for a game uh, or they have to cancel or they're utilizing guys that would be in the G League. I mean, on and on and on. And what it's done is it's created a much, much bigger variance of all of the way that we're looking at this. For the pros, those of us that do this for a living, uh, it's an adjustment and we're adjusting on the fly. I think it's very advantageous for the Coach Talk team because we go through this and we hand build. We're watching, we're, we're seeing what's going on, we're looking at rotations, we're seeing who the coach is playing down the stretch. All of those pieces that you can put together by putting all of that information in one place. Whereas all of the folks that just dump everything into an optimizer and try to spit out all these lineups and really just try to, to cover their bases, I don't think they're, they're getting the true optimization of doing that that they've been able to in the past because all of the criteria is different. Everything's changed, no home crowds, down to 72 games, multitudes of guys sitting out, usage fluctuating all over the place. So there's a lot more variance. And what we're trying to do here at Coach Talk is take it game by game, look at it from the coach's direction, look at it from the players uh, and how this is all flowing, and then you know, building, hand building a lineup or two that really fits all the criteria that we're looking for. So anyway, I wanted to mention that anyway, and it just fit into talking about this because this is a big you know, piece of news. If Embiid's in, uh, defensively, they, be, they are just so much better and you know it, it stifles uh, definitely some of the Boston side. Again, Jalen Brown's the only guy I'd consider from the Boston side. On the Philly side, you know, Embiid, if he's in, uh, is always dangerous. Uh, this is the first night of a back-to-back -back for uh, the Sixers. That's why there's some uh, mixed news on it. Does Embiid play tonight or tomorrow night or limited minutes? So I'm not going to go Embiid even if he does run, just because with the back-to-backs, it always concerns me with him. Um, Tobias Harris has been steady as a rock, but he does face some of these grit and grind Boston defenders that can cause him some trouble and like Ojale, Williams, uh, etc. So not a big fan there. Uh, the thing that stinks though is Seth Curry is back. He's probable. And that just blows out of the water the whole Tyrese Maxey, who was awesome play for a while. Then when, uh, of course, Shake Milton came back, he broke the slate a couple of nights, and now you've got Curry back, and Simmons is there. So I have no idea uh, how Doc is going to rotate and get minutes for all those guys, but they all have earned minutes. Uh, and Danny Green, who, you know, I bad-mouthed him because he killed me that one day as he was 0 for 11 from the field, but then he proceeded the next two games to drain 16 threes. So you can't throw him out of the rotation, plus he's a fine defender. So I say all of that to say, I want zero. I'm not taking three Advil at the beginning of the slate and three in the middle of the slate to call my headache because Simmons, Curry, Shake, Maxi, Danny Green, Cork Maz, all these guys are trying to play minutes and it's it just blows you out of the water. So uh, if for some reason it beats sits, Howard, vehemently in play because he gets a million rebounds. But even though this game is a, ni a nice 222 and a half, I trust the defense, not crazy about the pace, and this is not going to be my go-to game.
Okay, we're almost halfway. Uh, we are at number five here, and it is, uh, are we at six? One, two, three, four, five. We are at the sixth game. Look at this. Six of 11. Miami Heat at six and seven. Toronto, five and nine. Uh, Heat is on the first night of a back-to-back, -back, and we know not too many teams have been ravaged by the, the uh, coronavirus sit-out scenario uh, than Miami. They haven't had a full team since, I don't know if they have this year. But uh, Toronto's a two-and-a-half home favorite, even though home is Tampa. The over-under is 220-and-a-half. So this becomes interesting. The, the monster news here is that we need to know if Tyler Hero is going to play. He's questionable. And Pascal Siakam is questionable, but to me sounds a little more like doubtful. So I'm going to do this uh, preview if Siakam with Siakam sitting, uh, which changes everything. Uh, I talk about it all the time. He's one of the higher usage guys. He certainly clear the floor for him all the time. So his presence not being there uh, just makes me put a huge circle around Lowry, Van Vliet, and of course our man Chris Boucher. I think all three of those guys need to be considered. Um, on the, the Miami side, you've got uh, Tyler Hero, uh, Vincent's, uh, like I said, questionable. Vincent is probable, but we're not positive on Goran Dragic. Uh, he's questionable as well. We know Jimmy Butler's still out. So, you know, their lineup, it could be a great game for Mr. Vincent, the rookie, if Hero and Dragic are out. I would play him in a second at that uh, number. Uh, Duncan Robinson has been solid, man. He just drains threes after threes after threes. Yeah, I think he had eight again in the last game. And, you know, he is completely three-point dependent. So if, you know, uh, some whoever guards him, and Lowry Van Vliet and Ananobi are all good defenders. So Robinson's going to get a little bit tougher uh, defense. And if he's not hitting north of five threes, he's not going to make his value. So there's definitely some concern there. Kelly Olynyk's been fine, but they do have guys they're rotating. Precious, who I call Princess, and I, they're still getting teased about that. But Mr. Achua gets minutes, so that makes me not super comfortable there. Uh, Bam Adebayo's a, a terrific play. I mean, I had him last go around. Uh, he's he's fantastic. And if go-to guys like Hero and Dragic are out, or even either one of them, uh, Bam becomes a much more focal point in all aspects of the game for Miami. And if if one of those two at least are out, Bam becomes uh, somewhat of a plug and play for me because I think they'll run the offense through him, so he'll have assists. He should get a lot of rebounds. Um, Toronto cut Alex Lynn. Uh, he was signed, I believe, by somebody that just lost the center. I'll, it'll come to me as we're going here. Houston, I think. The Rockets, I think, picked up Alex Lynn. But anyway, uh, so Baines gets a very small run, and then it's Boucher. With Siakam out of there to not steal any of the rebounds, Boucher's a huge play for me also. Uh, I think that he uh, fits perfectly in this game, and I think that uh, you, know, you can look at either Lowry or Van Vliet. I always try to choose between one of them, but this could be a key game for me if I go Bam and say Lowry and Boucher, then this becomes uh, the most important game on the slate. But I like it. I think the matchup's good. The guys that are sitting, 
become the, the true story here. You know, if we have Hero Dragic, uh, Siakam sit, then this usage-wise just squeezes down to those guys I mentioned and becomes a serious play. All right, game seven. Atlanta at Minnesota. Atlanta's seven and seven, Minnesota three and ten. They are one of the other two teams uh, grappling with Detroit for the worst team in the league. Uh, and this game's interesting. We've got Atlanta, six and a half point road favorite, and Minnesota's on the first night of a back-to-back. -back. The total here is 222. We have defensive efficiency, Atlanta eighth, which they're causing turnovers and, and a lot of trouble for people. Minnesota 26, terrible. Atlanta's uh, pace, they're 11th, so they do push the ball, and Minnesota is eighth. So there's a lot of pace here. This could be one of those sneaky games uh, that, that is the highest scoring of the night. It's very, very possible. Um, it's second highest on the board and third highest on the board in Vegas, but I think it, it could, could be up there. Now, we've got big news here as well. Uh, two of the Atlanta starters, Reddish and Hunter, are both questionable, which changes the whole rotation. We know Bogdanovich is out with the broken kneecap. Gallinari's close but it doesn't look like he's playing tonight. He should be back uh, this weekend. So it leaves a lot of usage, big time usage for Trey Young and of course, Mr. Kevin Herter. And then the big guys, John Collins, who had a solid game and Chris Capella, who broke the slate last time out. Um, Chris Capella has to be in play <clears throat> for everybody in a game like this against Minnesota with no cat. So, he has to be right up there. Trey Young, who hasn't really been himself, but I like him a lot in this game. I have no problem paying up for Trey Young. I think against the Russell and Beasley defense, um, it just it feels like more of a bust-out game, especially if he doesn't have his running mates Reddish and Hunter out there. There's a lot more shots going to be available. And then... Kevin Herter, the pricing is back normalized. They had him at 9,500. It was an entry error, algorithm error, or something with DraftKings, but it was hilarious. He was 9,500 on one and 5,500 on the other. So his price is back down. So it's worth uh, looking at all four of those guys, really. I mean, this, this game could be one of the higher stack games. It really could. I think there's going to be a lot of ownership here. Um, but I'm favoring right now Young and Capella uh, if I can afford them. Okay, Minnesota. What do we talk about with Minnesota? Uh, there's some value there. I mean, uh, Vanderbilt has played a decent amount of minutes and toyed around with, you know, having a little bit of uh, value type games at a cheap price. So you got to look at them. Nas Reed sort of sharing with multiple people. Don't trust that. Um, a Kogi's a game time decision, so don't feel comfortable there. They're still missing a bunch of people, in, including Hernan Gomez, Rubio Towns, etc. So it comes back down to the same two guys it does every day this past week with Minnesota, and that's D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. Beasley is sort of grossly overpriced for the way he's been playing. I've played him a few times because of the low ownership and expected him to just blow up. Uh, and he hasn't done so, but I, you know, it's, you can't hit me in the head too many times to get me to change my mind because I still think Beasley is a decent play. 
especially with Hunter off the floor. And Hunter's a tremendous uh, defender, and he guarded Beasley a, a good chunk of the game last time out. So I like Beasley a little. D'Angelo Russell's the guy that's going to get most of the ownership for Minnesota, and deservedly so. I mean, this certainly could be a game where Trey Young and D'Angelo Russell go back and forth, three for three, you know, penetration finish uh, for penetration finish. So certainly in play without any question. Uh, and I think this game, uh, you do need some, uh, some, uh, you know, a guy or two, a little bit of action from this game to, to make out your entire slate. So uh, stay focused on that one and let's make sure we get the news on Reddish and Hunter. All right, we have four games left. That's it. We are rocking the Dallas Mavericks. Seven and seven, the Spurs eight and seven. Doc's got or uh, old Pop's got his team uh, up there at over five hundred and eight and seven. So we've got uh, Dallas on the first night of a back-to-back is a two and a half point road favorite, which is surprising, but it's Vegas, you know, reacting to having Luca and Porzingis back on the floor uh, consistently, and that does change that team uh, a lot. Uh, the 222.5 total is pretty darn stout. Uh, defensive efficiency, Dallas is 6, San Antonio is up to 12. So not bad on the defensive side. And then here's the other uh, side of that. You've got Dallas 22nd in pace, San Antonio 14th. So, you know, you look at it and you wonder why is this the, the second highest uh, total when you have pretty good defensive teams. You've got a team on a back-to-back and that both teams are pretty slow. So, you know, that that does raise a red flag for me. There's going to be a ton of people that pay up for Luka and jump on the Porzingis bandwagon from the last game. Uh, I'm not going there today, and, you know, I, I want Dallas to do well, of course, but I just don't want to pay that high up for, you know, when you have to, when it's getting to the point, like with Luka, where if he doesn't get 65 to make value and a little extra, you're disappointed. And, you know, it's weird watching the games when you have him in DFS and he has like a 15-point triple-double and he's playing well and you're like, I'm screwed. He's got a snowflake. He's not going to make his number. It's just, you know, I don't think it's the perfect spot. And if you're going to pay that high up for Luke, especially on this big of a slate, it has to be sort of a perfect spot. Uh, Porzingis is just going to get over-owned. That's why I'm not going there. I think his ownership... Everybody's just going bonkers. You know, he shot like 80% the last game. That's an anomaly. That's not going to happen. Yes, he's playing great. He's getting more minutes. I think he's going to do fine. But for the amount of ownership and the potential to not make value, it makes it somewhat of an easy pass for me. Um, on the San Antonio side, it's it's interesting. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge has been inconsistent, short, sort of. Big games, and then some games where he just vanishes, where Doc decides he's going to go with Pirtle and play a little bit more inside ball. So, uh, you know, that is a concern. Uh, Johnson is just too overpriced, and, uh, you know, that's certainly a concern. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has stepped up. He usually plays well against the Mavs, so I'm going to look at DeRozan a little bit. His price is fairly decent. Uh, Lonnie Walker, two hit or miss on this big of a slate. DeJounte Murray's another guy I have uh, interest in. 
but I just don't like his price. I wish it was just about $500 cheaper, and he'd be certainly a play for me. Uh, the guy that I like on Dallas, by the way, is Jalen Brunson. He's starting. He's getting massive minutes. He's finishing. He's still low. So I, I know it's bizarre, but, uh, yeah, Jalen Brunson is my favorite play from this game. He makes salary work. He fits well. And if I had extra money to, to buy up at point, I would go uh, DeJounte Murray uh, or to DeMar DeRozan. Those two guys, I think, both will uh, exceed value tonight. Okay, Oklahoma City, Los Angeles Clippers, Thunder 6-7, and seven, Clippers 11-4, and four, quietly. And the weird thing is their stats haven't been great, but they're winning. That's all that matters. Clippers are a massive 13-point favorite, by far the biggest on the slate. The over-under is 220, and defensively, neither one of these teams has played well. Uh, Thunder 19, Clippers 20th, which I still find amazing. Pace of play, the Thunder are 10th, Clippers are 27th. They are just beating people up in the half-court basketball set, and that's how they're winning. Um, you know, I, I had predicted for quite a while now that the Thunder were going to hit the skids. I mean, they've been winning with mirrors there, and it just, they're, I think the third of those three teams that I mentioned uh, in Detroit and Minnesota being the third, the Thunder, and the Thunder are six and seven, but I just don't see how they're getting there. Uh, you know, Shea is, is terrific. His usage is off the wall, but he's going to get doubles from the Clippers. He's going to get Pat Beverly up, uh, you know, chewing on his face. That's not going to be fun. <clears throat> George Hill has been inconsistent in splitting minutes with Diallo. Lugensdorp, he was another slate breaker last time. He went absolutely nuts. But hello, Mr. Dort. Meet Kawhi Leonard and see if that slows things down. Or even Nicholas Batum. Either one of them uh, is a little bit different. Uh, matchup. So I don't, I, I know Dort's cheap. I know he has the potential to smash, but consistently he's usually like an upper teens DFS player. Uh, Darius Baisley, again, up and down, rotates with with several people that they, they've been utilizing. Po, Poku, Chesky, whatever, and uh, who please don't, you know, put him in there. He's, he is not anywhere close. He should be in the G League, actually. Uh, and then you're getting Muscala off the bench. But the guy that's the value here, and he is again, and until they raise his price, and as long as he's the starting center with Horford out, Isaiah Roby has consistently showed that he can play. He's athletic. He gets up and down the floor. He finishes at the rim. Just super active. And I'll tell you, it's an amazing turnaround. This is a guy last year that was on the Mavericks roster, and they had him in the G League. And they just didn't think he was good enough. So they traded him to the Thunder for Patterson, who they ended up releasing. So they just basically were getting rid of him. And here he is, starting center for the Thunder a year later. And just his game is evolving. And he's, you know, he's playable at that uh, definite salary and works in to especially the Stars and Scrubs builds. He's, a, he's an excellent guy there. Uh, on the Clippers side... Pat Bev has been, you know, steady. He does a good job, get, you know, gets enough minutes that he's making value. So I think he's in play again. Uh, I don't want to pay up for George or Kawhi in this game because I really do think it blows out. I think this could be a Clippers 16-18 uh, point win. 
and so I don't want to pay up for either one of those guys. Not interested in Batum with some of the rotations that they have going now, and not interested in the Zubac and uh, Mr. Ablaka uh, splitting time. All right, two games left. I'm trying to get through it as fast as we can, but not miss a detail. We have the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns, both teams on the first night of a back-to-back, -back, which complicates things a little bit. Denver is 7-7. Seven and seven. Phoenix is 8-5. This game's at Phoenix. Phoenix is a one-point favorite, so this should be a nail-biter. Uh, the over-under is 219, which is fair. Uh, defensive efficiency, Denver's 23rd. Phoenix is 11th. Very respectable uh, problem. This is the alert button uh, shining. Denver 29th, 25th in pace. Phoenix 29th, second to last. So we got a snail's, snail's crawl here. Paul walking it up. And then uh, Murray walking it up and handing it to the Joker. And there's another 10 seconds. So this, you know, you're, if you're going to take people from this game, uh, you need to figure out which guys are going to be the most efficient. Because at this pace, with decent defense, um, this could be a game that stays under the number or at least, you know, close. It, the fact that it's almost a pick and game helps. But, you know, I'm not paying up for the Joker on, on an 11-game slate. Uh, just like Luke, I'm not burning all my salary there. Even though I'm still going to resemble a semi-stars and scrubs, but not to the extreme of the guys like that, uh, my scrubs will be a little bit less scrubs, I guess. Um, so I don't, I don't want uh, to go with the Joker, although he's ridiculous. Um Jamal Murray certainly stepping out of that like little early mini slump. Chris Paul's a tough defender, even at his age, though. He is a real irritant. So a little worried about Murray with his price rising a little bit, but he's still a good play in my book. In fact, I think he's the best play if you're going to uh, dial up uh, somebody from Denver. Um, Porter Jr. may back be back. He's questionable. That blows out of the water the whole Millsap, Jamichael Green is going to get crushed by that. Uh, Will Barton splitting still with Gary Harris and a multitude of people there. Not interested in any of those guys. On the Phoenix side, uh, you know, it's just been consistent. And, and uh, Andrew has brought it up multiple times. They're winning. They're 8-5. and five. They're a nice team, but they're not DFS friendly. The, the days where we used to be able to put Chris Paul in when he was at the Thunder and he'd get a 50-burger, it's not happening. The addition of Paul slowing the team down, playing more controlled, and getting the ball out of Booker's hands has really limited his ceiling. I've chased him a few times, and he doesn't even think about getting a 50 DFS points. It's like he used to almost on a nightly basis uh, in the bubble. So... Very interesting that I just, I don't feel comfortable with Paul or Booker or Aiden. Aiden has done fine. You know, he's consistent, but he's not having those huge breakout games. And now the potential of getting in foul trouble with, with a joker uh, is a big concern. If you're looking for somebody on the cheap that's getting big minutes and both of them can shoot, it's Mikal Bridges and Cam Johnson. There are two guys that aren't bad one-offs to fill in uh, if you need some value. So, that's really all I've got for that one. All right, we're down to the last game. Number 11, alone and done, almost finished. We've got the New York, New York Knickerbockers on the second night of a back-to-back -back 
after playing last night and winning uh, against the Sacramento Kings, who are a four-point favorite, uh, which is surprising. The Knicks are 8-8. Eight and eight. They just won. No respect. They go play the Kings at 5-10, and ten, and they're dogs. So big surprise there. Uh, I guess go put your money on the Kings <laughs> on betus.com.pa because when the line looks backwards to me like this, it inevitably goes the other way. But, man, I'm tempted to put a few bucks on the Knicks, even though it's a back, second night of a back-to-back. Problem is this game is only 218.5, so it's the third lowest number. Defensive efficiency, the Knicks are fifth. They are playing defense. They have bought into Tibbs. They're getting it done. Sacramento is a wonderful 30. Dead last. More reason that the Knicks should hang in there. Uh, problem, though. Alert button on the other side. The Knicks, the slowest team in the league, and Sacramento is 12th, which is not bad, but huge pace down game for them. So this is not a key game for me tonight. Uh, I, I do think the way uh, Thibodeau handles his guys with multiple minutes, I don't think if they played five nights in a row, he'd give guys a break. So, you know, immediately... To me, you have to consider Elf Payton, who's lower priced and makes value. R.J. Barrett's been playing very well and getting to his number. And Julius Randle's been great. Um, he's so expensive, though. It's very difficult to pay uh, up for him at that number. But, man, he's been making value every night. Uh, not, you know, Bullock shot well last night. Not interested in that. Uh, was really let down last night by quickly. I thought he'd get a little bit more run, but really the fact that Alec Burks came back has sort of blown everything up there. Uh, I like Alec Burks. I think he's a great play on most nights, but just after coming back on a back-to-back, -back, I don't know what to expect from Burks, which really jacks up that backcourt rotation. Um, really the safest two guys are Barrett and Randall like normal. I don't want the, the Robinson-Noel split and the lack of usage. Both of those guys are at about 11% usage. So not, you know, if I'm going to pay up for a guy, it'll be one of those two Knicks. On the Sacramento side, again, it hurts because they're playing such a slow team, so it's a lot less possessions. Uh, Rashawn Holmes is tough, but he's got two shot-blocking, tall, lanky centers to deal with, uh, and he's a little undersized, so I don't think it's the best situation for him. Uh, the big news there will be Bagley. He's questionable. Uh, if he plays, you know, he's dangerous. Don't really want to go there, but his price is okay. But we need to see the news on him. Harrison Barnes has been up and down. Buddy Hill broke the slate almost the other day. He can. He is very possible uh, to have a great game. But it's come down to the De'Aaron Fox show there. And for me, if I'm going to go with a king, it's going to be the fox. I'm going to let the fox out of the hen house in this game. If I do roster a king, he's not cheap enough to say, yes, he's definitely in, but he is good. Uh, I'm just not super comfortable with the healed and Halliburton split and rotation of minutes there. So that is it, my friends. 22 teams, 11 games. We've looked it up, down, sideways, and backwards. I hope that gives you a concrete look at how to initially build your lineup. Uh, if you'd like additional help in finishing building that, look at, uh, look at us on dfscoachtalk.com. 
as our website. You can sign up there, become a member for a week, month, annual. We have a special NBA package right now that we're doing with uh, one of our partners, betus.com.pa. If you sign up with BetUS for the first time, deposit 149, then you get a free membership with Coach Talk all the way until April 1st. And you get to use that 149 in your BetUS account to make wagers. So you cannot beat that deal. Fantastic deal. Um, we'd love to have you join us. We have a great community. We're growing. Uh, we're giving out uh, all kinds of content and builds for uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo. And, uh, you know, follow us on Discord throughout the day if you're a member. Uh, if, if not, follow us on Twitter, at DFS Coach Talk. Uh, we have a lot of contests going, all kinds of things happening. And again, last thing, if you're watching this on YouTube, please hit that thumbs up, subscribe, and alert button. We really, really do appreciate it. So that is the word, my friends. I hope that that was a help. My goal is to stay under an hour, and I completed my goal. So let's uh, go out there and crush it in DFS.